Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. My name is Chris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and I'm so excited. That's actually a promo uh, for our new series starting next week. It's going to be, we're going to have a great time with it, I promise you. Um, We're going to be going through the book of Daniel. And uh, Daniel is also an Old Testament prophet. We're going to be going through the first six chapters of the book of Daniel. And uh, we're going to be uh, kind of looking at that story through the, our whole political process. And, you know, and I'm, I mean, i got to be honest with you. I am just kind of sick of presidential commercials. Is anybody else out there? I am like, I am ready for this to be over. And uh, i got to be honest with you, I'm just kind of frustrated about the whole process. And we're going to be talking about that and how we find and how we bring true change to a country. Um, and this is kind of our promo for next week. But really, true change doesn't come by just a Republican or Democrat party. True change is going to, and we're going to see this through the book of Daniel, true change is going to come when we as Christians, stand up for what we believe in and we don't compromise. That's how true change is going to come to this country. So really excited about Daniel next week. We're actually today finishing our series of the book of Jonah. And if you've not been here, if this is like your, like your very first time here at One Church, you've come at the absolute last of the series. So I'd encourage you to go on our podcast or go on our website, onechurch.tv, and you can look at that. Also want to show you this, though. If this is your first time, like, here at church, and, like, you kind of bounced out of church, like, a long time ago, and you're like, you know, I don't know about this whole Christianity thing. I don't know about the whole church thing. Um, I'm so glad you're here today because today we're going to be talking about probably one of the biggest reasons why you don't like church people. So um, we're going to have a really good time today talking about it. Now, before we get too deep into that, let's talk about what we've looked at in the past three weeks in the book of Jonah. The first week of Jonah, our big idea that we looked at is that when we run from God, we always run to God from to dangerous places. When we run from God, we run to dangerous places. We run to addictions. We run to relationships that aren't healthy. We go to some very unsafe places. And we looked at Jonah went to an unsafe place of getting on a boat for a year. When God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, he said, let me pray about it. No. In Jesus' name, amen. And he went the exact opposite direction. Remember this? God told him to go 550 miles to the east, and he went how many miles to the west? 2,500 miles. He went all the way to Spain. Like, God told him, I want you to go to, like, modern-day Iraq. And he says, no, I'm going to Spain, which is literally at the end of the known world at that time. It's kind of crazy. All right? The next big idea we looked at this the next week is you can run from God, but you can't outrun God. He, he thought, you know, I can get on this ship, I can get on this boat, and I'm going to run away from God. But you know what? We could run from God, but we can't, outrun, uh, we can't outrun God, and that's a really good thing. The third big idea we looked at last week is that God disciplines us not to pay us back, but to bring us back and to win us back. And we talked about how you know, whom, whom God loves, he disciplines. And when, we, when God says, I want you to go right, when we go left, he will come after us. And that's one of the proofs that we are truly his child, all right? Now, we ended last week in Jonah chapter 2. And we talked about the whole fish and all of that stuff. And everybody knows Jonah because of the whole fish, whale, whatever you call it. But that's only half of the story. Today... We're going to see, and we're going to be looking at Jonah's chapter 3 and 4, and we're going to see the rest of the story. Thank you, Paul Harvey. Now, again, the point of the story is really geared today to good people. 
to church people. And let me just say this, if you're here today and you're not really a church person and you, would, you think the church is full of judgmental people, then you picked a perfect Sunday to be here because we're going to confirm your suspicions, all right? We're going to see that church and God's people are really just have a lot of judgmental people. And it's kind of like, I, I, we have a fireplace. And I'll tell you, it didn't get really cold last year, so we didn't burn a lot of our wood. So we've got tons of wood stacked around. And the other day, we were kind of cleaning up, and I picked up one of these, um, one of the, some of this wood that was on the ground, you know? And you kind of pick it up, and you're like, ugh. Because you see all these beetles and maggots and stuff start, you know, kind of going everywhere. And it's all the squiggly stuff, and it's kind of soft and mushy. And it's like, ugh, and you kind of put that down. Well, today, we're going to do that with the church. We're going to pick it up, and we're going to go, ugh. The problem is, the ugh is you. And it's me. Because many of us, we're going to see ourselves in the book of Jonah, many of us, with that squiggly stuff, nasty stuff, and then we're the problem. We're going to see all the stuff that we're going to see that if you're not a church person, again, I'm so glad you're here today because you're going to say, you know what, I knew it. And you would be exactly right. Let me give you the heads up today on our big idea. big idea is going to be on the screen, and it simply says this. God doesn't want us to just be good people. Everybody say good people. You see, that's what most people think of Christianity and church. God just wants me to be good. Like, stop doing that, you know, put that away, zip that up, do whatever you think, just be good people. But he doesn't want us to just be good people. He wants us to care about some people, all people. Let me read that again. God doesn't want us to just be good people. He wants us to care about all people. Let me tell you, religion can become all about us and not about God's heart. God doesn't want us to just be good people. God just doesn't want us to just be holy people. He wants us to care about all the people. And I really think that's one of the reasons why the church today has been so marginalized in our society is because, you know, people say, okay, yeah, you're good. Yeah, you sing songs. Yeah, you, you do all that. Yeah, you're good people. But you really don't give a flying flip about me. You really just don't care about other people. Judgment or religion is always focused on or us. When we become self-absorbed, that's exactly where religion goes. And that is huge because that is not how God is. It may be how church people are, but it's not how God is. Let me just kind of break this down. You see, and I'm just going to give you a confession. They say confession is good for the soul. I could be a pastor who only hangs out with Christian people. Because, you know, I'm a pastor and I kind of, I'm in a church and, you know, there's people all around me and they're kind of, and I can just spend all of my time hanging out with good people, holy people, Christian people, people who come to church people, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, I can just hang out with those people and I can totally miss it. I can totally miss God's heart. That's huge. Because let me tell you, God didn't just come for church people. God just didn't come for people who look like us and vote like us and say the things that we say and carry the things that we carry. God loves 
all people. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Um, when, um, and we always look at these verses when it's Christmas time, but when the angels come, he says, good news that I bring for all people. You see, we're so concerned about us. And we, cons- and we pray we're so concerned about what we want and what we want and let's get ahead of the line of the restaurant and let's do this and let it be for me and I don't want to come and be able to sit, you know, in a, and have to wait to get into, and, 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 it's just, and it's just us, 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 me, me, me. We become self-absorbed and we become like Jonah because that is what we're going to see in today's passage. Jonah chapter 3 Verse 1, it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah, what? A second time. Jonah's already been sent once to Nineveh, and he said, El Nino. No, not doing it, right? So he says, I'm going to send you a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time, (laughs) you better believe it this time. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord. Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Now, he travels 550 miles by land. And for some of you, you've seen the city of Nineveh. It's in Iraq, Mosul, huge city. But I mean, he says, I'm going to send you to your enemies. In fact, today, many of those folks are still our enemies. And, and, and God says, I'm going to send you, Jonah, to your enemies to tell them that God's going to give them a second chance to get it right. So it would be like if you live here in Fort Campbell or Clarksville or, or some, you know, and this, and this Middle Eastern guy comes in and says, you need to repent and start worshiping a God you've never, ever heard of. Now, amazingly enough, the miracle about all of this is that Jonah went to this city, and we're going to look in verse 5. They actually listened to him. Listen to this. By the way, this is so interesting. They listened to him, and God knew that they were going to listen to him. See, that's one of the reasons why God wanted him to go. And we're going to see here in a minute why Jonah didn't want to go. Verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast. That means they stopped eating, and they started praying. They put on burlap to show their sorrow. That was a sign of mourning. They were mourning for their sin. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. I mean, everybody, including the king, gets right with God. Isn't that crazy? Now, why does that happen? Why does this, this guy named Jonah come in, he talks and says, hey, y'all need to believe in Yahweh, this God that you've never heard. If not, he's going to snuff you out. And they believed in him. There's a lot of different reasons. Uh, there's a couple of things that's happening in history at this time, but there's also something else we talked about last week. At this time, there was two tribes that came together, and they were about 100 miles away from Nineveh, and they were getting ready to come against Nineveh. And these, uh, the people of Nineveh were a little concerned about this. Also, during this time, there was an eclipse, a total eclipse of the sun. And that may be one of the reasons why they were, you know, worried about, you know, being destroyed. But here was probably the biggest reason. You remember when I talked about last week, those who were here, Jonah, when he's in the belly of the fish, because that's not the first occurrence we've had of somebody getting swallowed by a whale or a fish. 
What happens to their skin color? It gets totally pale and white. So Jonah, this Middle Eastern fellow who's probably dark-complected, is now as white as a sheet. He looks like a ghost. And he's coming in to Nineveh saying, y'all get right, if not, you're going to see ghosts. And they're like, dude, we're already seeing one. And they, I mean, he probably looked absolutely freaky, right? So, but uh, uh, totally unexpected, they all, from the king all the way down to the lowest servant, says, you know what? We're going to listen to him. We're going to pray, and we're going to get right. We're sorry for our sins. Look at verse 8. I love this. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning. Can you imagine putting a garment of mourning on a cat? I can. It's called a straitjacket. Anyway, um, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. That's what they were known for, all of their uh, violence. Who can tell? This is what the king is writing. The king of Nineveh says, who can tell? Perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, I've got to be honest with you. At the end of chapter 3, I wish that's where the story ended. But it's not. It's not where it is. We still have one more chapter in the book of Jonah. And it's in this last chapter that Jonah, really, he does not look good. In fact, it's in this last chapter that we put up the mirror and we see ourselves as Christians and we don't look that good. Because many of us, we sin the sin of Jonah. And we think that religion is all about us. And how good we are, and how holy we are, and how perfect we are, and how, and how, how we smell good, and how, hey, did you, have you looked at my suit, and all of this stuff, when really, God's heart is for everyone. Jesus, when he came into this world in Luke 19.10, he says, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's huge. I love this. As the story continues, we're going to see the real reason why Jonah did want to go into Nineveh in the first place, in chapter 4. And I love this. I know that the Bible is written by God because if it was written by men, chapter 4 wouldn't be in there. Because it's not a really flattering chapter. Uh, It it doesn't really help the cause of God, chapter 4. Again, but this shows us that this isn't written by people, but by God. The real reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh wasn't because that he was afraid of what the Ninevites would do to him. He was afraid what God would do for the Ninevites. He wasn't afraid that the Ninevites would harm him personally. He was afraid that God would do something positive for his enemies, the Ninevites. Because Jonah hated these people. He hated them. He was racist. And these, and these folks were God's, God's chosen people's enemies. And we see this strange twist in here. And it's going to make us a little bit uncomfortable. Chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. It seemed wrong to Jonah that God would honor the repentance of the Ninevites. In other words, it was like Jonah was saying, okay, God... You've done the wrong thing. These people have sinned. They deserve, to, they, they deserve to be fried chicken. These people deserve to go to hell. I want to see this big fireball come down from the sky and consume everybody because I hate these people and so should you. 
But Jonah, it seemed wrong what God had done. Look at verse 2. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? (laughs) That's why I ran away to Tarshish. See, there's the reason. He ran away because he knew God was a God of grace. I knew that you were going to do this, God. I knew that if I came here and I warned these people, and, uh, and if they got right with you, I knew you would just forgive them. Now, this is what's so cool, because some of you, you've like been in church for some time, and you're like, man, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is really, really different. But I've got to be honest with you. Hear this verse. This sounds a lot like the God of the New Testament, that this God would just, he's going to forgive I just, I love that because so many of us, we think the God of the Old Testament is just like vengeful blood God and he's out, you know, trying to get even and the New Testament is kind of like the grandfather God, you know, he's patting kids on the head and like, oh, how you doing? You know, giving kids candy or whatever. But here we see in this verse that that, the one God, he's all throughout the Bible. That God is a God of justice, but he's also a God of love. I love that. And let me tell you, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? If you ever doubted God's love for you, you're going to love this verse. You're going to love this verse. Verse 2, I knew that you are a merciful, compassionate God, slow to get angry, and filled with what? Unfailing love. The Hebrew word there is hesed. And it's literally, it's grace. I knew that you were a God of grace. You are eager to turn your back from destroying people. Now, some of you, that's not how you remembered God when you were a teenager growing up in church. You thought God was this God kind of like Zeus with lightning bolts in his hand. And if you just barely look at her again, I'm going to zap you, right? Or, you know what, if you, if you do that, if, if you cheat on that test again, I'm, I'm going to hurl it. That's how we view God. But that's not the God of the Bible. God, Jonah's like, I know that God, I know you weren't going to punish them. I know that you're a compassionate and gracious God, that you draw your circle of grace so big that you want to include everybody that you can that will respond to your grace, God. I know that if the Ninevites turned from their wicked way and repented and came back to you, that there would be Ninevites in heaven even when there's not some Israelites in heaven. That you just didn't come for good people. You didn't come for my people. You came for all people. That is what Jonah knew. And that ticked off Jonah. Look at this. Jonah's ticked. He's angry. He says in verse 3, Just kill me now. Kill me now, Lord. I would rather be dead than alive if what I predicted would not happen. Jonah's problem was this. Jonah... He, was, he says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow, I'm going to do what you finally said. I don't want another fish telegram. I am going to do, you told me to go to Nineveh, I'm going to go. He is willing to obey God, he just doesn't want to have God's heart. He is willing to do what God asked him to do, he's just not willing to let his heart break for what breaks God's heart. Because let me tell you what God heart, God's heart breaks for. It breaks for all people, everyone. Black, white, red, yellow, blue, brown. If you're a Smurf today, Jesus loves you. I'm just saying. God loves everyone, not just good people. 
And consequently, Jonah, he's ticked, and he's become very, very judgmental. And some of you, that's exactly where you are this morning. In fact, some of you, you bounce out of church because of judgmental people. Let me tell you how you can become a judgmental person. You become judgmental by being very, very good, who focuses on you and not what God wants you to do in the lives of people who aren't as good as you. You focused on you and whether or not you're toeing the line, but you look at everybody else and you really don't care about them. You don't have any compassion. You want to be good. You don't want your stuff to stink, but you don't want to get around people whose stuff is stinking because you may start stinking just like them. You forget that all of us deserve what all of us deserve, and it's not heaven. You see, Jonah, he's angry. God Why are you showing them grace? This guy was screaming and praying at the top of his lungs in the belly of a fish, wanting God's grace. But now he's angry that God has given somebody else grace. You know people like that? It's like, God, I want you to be good to me, but don't be good to anybody else. Maybe we're we're that way. God, I want you to bless us as America, but I don't want you to bless other countries in the Middle East. Oh, come on. I don't really like those people. It's because of those people that my husband or wife is gone. And God's saying, just as my heart breaks for people here in America, my heart breaks for people all over the world. Some of you, some who don't even look anything like you. Some who wear veils. Some who have turbans. Some who are barely clothed. God loves everyone. Man, we all know this because we've been around Christians and churches that were really good at being good but forgot why God sent his son into this world to begin with. And they forget the character of God. They forgot, or maybe they never knew, what Jonah knew oh so well, that God is a compassionate God. But we become so self-absorbed that religion becomes all about us and we forget God's purposes. And it's the danger of being a moral person. It's a danger of coming to church and be a church person. That we think God's focus is Chris. And yet God loves Chris, but Chris is not only God's focus. God's focus is the 88% of people in Clarksville, Montgomery County who aren't yet at church, who are hungover, who are in somebody else's bed tonight or this morning, and they're waking up with a headache. They don't know what they did. God loves them. He just doesn't love good people. He wants us to care about all people. So, and here's my question as we finish this story, to all of us good church people. That's me. That's you, right? I'm one. Have we really surrendered? Have we really raised the white flag and said, okay, God, not only will I do what you want me to do, but I'm going to get involved in this emotionally. My heart is going to break for who your heart breaks for. Because it's more than just about being a good person. It's about caring, becoming a caring person for everyone. That we all pray to God, just as I'm available to be good and obedient, I'm also available to be the extension in my culture, at work or at home, wherever you see me in the world, I'm going to tell other people about your grace and your compassion and your abounding love to anybody 
who comes in my way. Have you ever surrendered to that level? My opinion is that if the church in general would have never, ever kind of just only just, oh, I'm going to preach this morning, only just said, okay, I'm just going to raise, I'm going to put up a picket. I'm, we're going to do a picket line. I'm going to do signs. You see, that's great. The, nowhere in the Bible does it say they will know we're Christians because we're going to have signs. It's not what it says. They know that we're Christians because we're going to hold up picket signs that says, I vote whatever you vote. That's not how they know us as Christians. The Bible says they will know us as Christians by our love. But we really jack that up in church, don't we? Because if you don't look like us, and by the way, if you don't worship the way we do, and you know, if you're a little too wild, if you start screaming and stuff, we're going to ask you to go somewhere else. Because that's just a little strange. It makes us uncomfortable because it's all about us. That maybe we miss the point. You see, the minute we are content with simply just being good, the minute we are content with just being obedient, the minute we're content with just being a good church person, a righteous person, just like Jonah, we forget the purposes of God in this world and we become nothing but an obstacle to God. And that's exactly what Jonah is. He's an obstacle. He isn't helping God out. He's an obstacle. So Jonah, he goes up on the side of the mountain overlooking the city, and he sits there and he crosses his arms. And he's waiting for God for judgment to fall and for him to have some fried chicken. All right. Now, look at what verse 4 says. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? I.e., is it right for you to be angry that all these people have come to know me in Nineveh? I mean, hello, Jonah, wasn't it just a few weeks ago that you needed my kindness? Wasn't it just a few weeks ago that you were the person on the outs with me? Wasn't it just a few weeks ago that you needed my grace, that you needed my compassion, that you needed my abounding love when you said, I ain't going to Nineveh, I'm going to Spain? You see, you needed me then, you wanted me then, but yet when I extend my grace and my compassion to other people, you really don't care about them. And that... I'll be honest with you, I, I listened to Pat Robertson last week say, you know what, we shouldn't adopt kids from other countries because they may turn out weird. He's weird. I'm just saying. If that's Christianity, I want no part of it. Because that is not what Jesus preaches at all. But that is what most people, when they think of church, they think 96% of, of people on the outside of church, you know what the one thing when they think about church is? That 96% of people believe that being a Christian means you have to be anti-homosexual. i got to be honest with you. I'm not anti-homosexual. I'm pro-God. But let me tell you, I am, I am, I am pro-like, let me tell you what I'm against. I'm against Anything that goes against God, and that, that's not just homosexuality, that's pornography, that's sinning, that's gossip, that's lying, that's everything. But you see, we categorize sin in church. Well, he, and, and we say, you know what, we, I, I don't struggle with that sin, so we demonize it. I'm just telling you, that ain't right. God's heart breaks for all sin of all people. But most people think, you know what? Yeah, I really don't care about you. Hope you go to hell. All right, and that's exactly what happened. So he goes up on the on this um on this uh, 
on this hillside, and he's there, and he's waiting for them to die. All right, and uh, it gets really hot, and this big leafy plant comes up over Jonah's head, and he gets some shade from the plant. It's like, huh, I mean, how many of y'all been to Iraq? All right, it's pretty cool, right? A lot of snow, joking, all right? I mean, it's really hot, all right? So he's there in the middle of the day, and it says a big plant came up with these big leaves overnight, and it shaded him, and he was praising God. Love you, Jesus. Yay, God. Right, And then it says, the, after the Lord appointed the plant to grow up, it said the Lord appointed a worm to come and eat the plant. So at night, this worm came and cut off the root of the plant, and the, the plant died overnight. And then the next day, Jonah's ticked. He's going, where's my plant? I mean, I was, it was awesome yesterday. Had some shade, and now, and then it said the Lord appointed a big east wind, and, and the degrees went up, 20, 30 degrees, and he started getting hot. I love how God appoints stuff in the book of Jonah. He appointed a storm. He appointed a fish. He appointed the fish to vomit Jonah. He appointed a plant. He appoints a worm. He appoints wind. God is in control of everything. The only person who's not following God is the preacher. Just saying. Just saying. It's the Christian person. All right? Now look at this. God speaks to him after the plant has died, and this is what God says. Then God says to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Jonah says, yeah, he retorted. I'm even angry enough to, what does it say? Die. I, see, if I was God at this point, he didn't said die a couple times. I said, your wish is granted. You dead, fool. This is the reason why I'm not God. A lot of reasons. This is a good reason. Because I ain't got that much patience. I don't. I'm so mad about this plant dying. I mean, my primary concern is that I don't have any shade. That's Jonah. There's a whole lot of eyes and my's in that sentence. And that was Jonah's problem. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry. By the way, that's the word chesed, compassion. All right, you feel compassion, you had pity about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. I mean, he says, yeah, I cared about that plant. And, and here God uses the same word that he used about the plant. He says this, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals, especially the dogs, not the cats. Shouldn't I feel... Sorry, there's the same word, have compassion, pity for such a great city. I'm going to read that last thing. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And you know what? That's the end of the book. The end. Now I thought about, you know, how am I supposed to close this? This is not really good literary style. i got to be honest with you. I mean, God says, you know, he's having this conversation with Jonah and God, he's the last person, he gets the last word in the book, and he ends with a question, and I don't know how Jonah answered it. I don't know. My gut is Jonah never quite got it. If the fish didn't get it, then I don't think he's ever, he never really changed his heart. And I'm telling you, I'm here today, and there may be some people here that you may be coming day after day, week after week, year after year, and you know what? You got the obey part, you got the good part, but you're just not getting God's heart. Bless you.
And I'll tell you, as, I'm, as I struggle through this, how am I supposed to end this message today? Because all I was going to do, I was just going to grab my microphone and after, you know, the end and stomp off stage, deuces! That's what I was going to do. <laughs> but I don't think that would be appropriate. I mean, what am I supposed to say after this? God asked a question, there is no answer, and basically here's what God's saying to Jonah. Jonah, you're concerned about all the wrong stuff. You're concerned all about the wrong stuff. You're a good man, Jonah. You're a prophet. Your name shows up in parts of the Bible. Jonah, you're even going to have an entire book written after you. It's going to be called Jonah. You're a good man. You're in. You're a law keeper. But your concerns don't reflect my concerns, Jonah. You're concerned about all the wrong stuff, Jonah. Jonah, you know what I'm concerned about? I'm concerned about this generation of people. What are you concerned about, Jonah? I'm concerned about the plant. Okay? I'm concerned about having shade. Okay? I'm concerned about, you know, the, the leaves covering me. Okay? That's what you're concerned about. But, Jonah, I'm concerned about this generation of Ninevites. What are you concerned about? I'm concerned about me, God. I got to travel 550 miles back. I mean, it's hot. It's nasty. I don't want to be with these people. They, I would just prefer them go to hell. Can I go back now? That's what I'm concerned about, God. Well, let me tell you what I'm concerned about, Jonah. I'm concerned about this generation of people not knowing me. What are you concerned about? L- let me ask. God asked me the question. Chris, Chris, what are you concerned about? Well, God, I'm concerned about I'm concerned about money. You know, after my bike wreck, I got all of this huge high deductible, and the money that we were going to put towards landscaping for the fourth year in a row is now getting eaten up by thousands of dollars we owe Vanderbilt. You know, that's what I'm concerned about, God. God's going, that's good. But you want to know what I'm concerned about, Chris? I'm concerned about a generation of people. People that you go to eat when you go to restaurants and you don't treat them nicely. I'm concerned about people that when you go to work, you know that lady that you go to work with that everybody, she kind of has it all together and she looks awesome and all this and you're kind of jealous of her. And I mean, I'm concerned about, you know, I'm concerned about your enemy. I'm concerned about, um, I, I'm concerned about the people you hate the most. I'm concerned about children. I'm concerned about teenagers. That's what God is concerned about. But what are you concerned about? A plant? Some shade? That's what I'm concerned about. Let me ask you it a different way, one church. What, what do you get angry about? What do you get angry about? Jonah's angry about the plant dying. What do you get angry about? You know what I get angry about? I get angry out when things don't go my way. Honestly, that's it. I don't, I don't really get angry about when I see people on the side of the road who don't have enough to eat. I don't get really angry when I see people who maybe are not making ends. I, I, I'm kind of, sometimes I can be a lot really consumed about me. That's not God's heart. Maybe your heart. Maybe my heart. But it's not God's heart. And again, as I was kind of wrestling with how to close this, I, I was just tempted to say, you should just care about people and give you a big guilt trip. i got to be honest with you. I know, especially you 9 o'clock crowd, the reason why so many of you are here at 9 o'clock is because some of you got here at 5 in the morning to set up because you knew that we were going to have some people show up today who had never been to church before. 
bounced out of church years ago. And you know what? This, y'all understand this. That you, Some of you understand this because you give, and that's the reason why bills get paid. That's the reason why our children and our environments are so well taken care of. That's the reason why this Wednesday at 7 o'clock, we're going to have over 100 high school and middle school students, and we're going to have adults working with them because you are surrounded by a sea of people who get this. But not all of you get it. You see, the reason why we spend thousands of dollars overseas on missions, the reason why we do things like Souls for Souls, the reason why we're in in our August offerings, we're giving money to this school so that we can be able to help out students and, and, and teachers who are underprivileged is because God's heart is not just about good people, it's about caring for all people, even people who don't have our same values. God tells us to give. And some of you know this because you, you, you're involved in organizations all over the city like Hope Pregnancy Center. And some of you work for Mana Cafe and others of you are at Room at the End. And you get involved at Restore Ministries and you're involved. And it's so cool to see you guys. But not all of you are like that. The potential to change the world. This is next week's sermon. You get to come back. It, it doesn't rely on us voting in a political party. The, the potential for us changing the world is us getting off our keisters and actually living like Christians. Now, I don't know why y'all ain't clapping about that, because that is where the potential of this world changes. Come on. It's you. It is me. But again, we're just like, eh. Come on, get me out of here. I want to go to B-dubs. Let me tell you, our potential of changing this world is sitting right where you're sitting. And it's you changing your environment, changing your world. And not just interested in church people, but in all people. Some of you, our potential to do amazing things in this city is for you to take your most valuable asset, your time, and volunteer. Maybe volunteer at this church, maybe volunteer outside of this church. But give your time, your resources, your skills that you've learned at school, and take your resources and your money and you intersect them with God's purposes. You surrender the white flag to God's purposes, and people are drawn to that. Let me tell you, people are drawn to it. It's like irresistible. I love that. They're drawn when people just say, you know what, I don't understand it all and I want to, but there's something about you and the way you love people. I want some of that. Some of you, the reason why you're here today is because people didn't argue with you and got you into heaven. You just says, I want what they want. And you said, I'm going to do whatever it takes, whether that means giving or serving or getting up off the sidelines, joining a team, however that works out. I, you know, but, but not everybody. Because some of us, we sin the sin of Jonah. It's all about me. Hey, when I die, I'm going to heaven. You're going to hell. I'm going to heaven. All right? And I'm praying, God, that you would get me in the front of the line, and I want my kids to get the best teacher, and me, and I, I, me, and me, and I, I, me. And let me tell you, that is not God's focus. His focus is for A-L-L-P-E-O-P-L-E, all people, everyone. But again, that may be God's heart, but it may not be Chris's heart. 
And some of you, I just want to be truthfully fair as I close. Some of you, you're grateful. You're grateful and you're thankful. You're grateful that somebody told you about Jesus. You're thankful. It, it, it swells up a little bit of emotion in you, but it's not enough emotion for you to do anything about it. So as we close today, I'm going to challenge you to do something. Not to feel something. That's easy. But to do something. To do something. So here's what we're going to do. For some of you, you're like, you know, one church is my church. I've been, come, so I, I've been, I've been here three weeks. Some of you have been here three months. Others of you have been here three years. It's time to get up off the sidelines and to intersect God's heart, children, youth, adults. It may be stuff inside this church. It may be outside of this church. That's cool. But to get involved and to join a team and say, I am willing to take my resources, my time, and intersect it with God's heart, and I want to see the world change. So as I challenge you, this is what I want to just ask you the question, why are you so apathetic? Why are you so busy? And some of you are like, Chris, you're on my case. And I am. I am on your case. Because if you're feeling something but you're not willing to do something, you're part of the problem. And I'm not just saying just part of but that's some negative, but you can also be part of the solution. The solution of seeing thousands of people come to know God. I got a, a couple of my communion group told me this last week. They said, Chris, and they were so excited about it. And I love, you know, I invited somebody to church. I'm like, that's awesome. Because what I'm hearing them say, this is what they say, and then they say something to me. Chris, they're saying, you know what, I like, I like what we're doing so much, I want to bring other people involved in this. That's what they're saying. The second thing is to say, Chris, don't suck. That's what they're saying. <laughs> they're showing up today, so don't stink. That's what they're saying. And, I, and I like that. it puts the fear of God in me. I'm like, I hope I don't stink today. Oh, my gosh. So, I mean, Seriously. What are you going to do? A couple of ways that you can get involved. Um, we're going to show you a couple of, way, of things you can do to get involved here, but also outside of one church. We're doing two things today. First thing is this. Uh, as soon as you go outside of these doors, um, you can go to our iPad kiosk. And there is a join a team. There's a graphic on there with a little kid raising his arm up in there as a superhero. You can click on that and you can join a team. And some of you are like, man, I've joined a team and it didn't work out for me. Okay. Try another team. It just may not have been good of a fit. How many of y'all ever tried any food you didn't like? Anybody? All right, did you just stop eating? Jesus knows I didn't, right? I'm just saying. Some of you, you're like, you know what? I tried working in babies, didn't like it. Okay, try working in one-way street. Try working with our, our fourth graders. I, I tried working as a greeter, and I don't like people. That's a problem. Okay? You were just in the wrong spot. So here's what we're going to do. You can go to the iPad kiosk. You can sign up. But I'm going to give you even a better way to get involved. As soon as this is over, we're doing something called Next. It's, it's going to last for about 15 to 20 minutes. You're going to go outside of these exits, and you're going to take a right. And you're going to see signs. And what we're going to do is for the next 20 minutes, we're going to show you what your next step can be. For some of you, your next step is, you know what, I need to get baptized. 
Others of you, your next step is, you know what, I need to go to starting point. Others of you, your next step is, you know what, I need to join a team. And we're going to help you with that. And then we're going to have people of all the teams that you could join there in the room so that we can put you face-to-face with people that says, hey, listen, I hear you wanted to be involved as a greeter. Do you like people? No. It may not be a good fit for you, right? But we have a place. By the way, we, we, we need people to help with parking. Our 11 o'clock parking is atrocious. We don't have any spaces. So we need help people. So if you don't like people but you want to be a greeter, we'll put you on a parking team. That's cool. That's fine. I mean, you, how many of y'all guys, you like telling people what to do? How many of you guys, you got a woman who likes telling you what to do? They could be in parking. I'm just saying. But immediately after this service, next, is going to be going on right down the hall, and I would encourage you, figure out what's next for you. Be a part of the solution. Because God can use you in some amazing ways. You know that. And he wants to continue to use you in some amazing ways, even if you're a guy by the name of Jonah. Let's pray. Dear God, Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for your love and your grace, Lord, that just keeps on just washing over us, God. And Lord, um, the song that we're getting ready to sing, God, uh, Mighty to Save, Lord, I, I love the words for that song because all of us, Or we need compassion, not just some of us, but everyone needs compassion. A love that's never failing. God, those words that we sing so often in these these songs, God, Lord, you want to do some amazing stuff in our heart and our life. But Lord, we're so focused on us. God, I just pray, Lord, that you would wake people up here today who are kind of in the spiritual slumber. And Lord, that they would be able to see that God loves all people, that everyone needs forgiveness. The kindness of a Savior. The hope of nations. So I surrender. Take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. I surrender. And Lord, that's what I pray, that today, that all of us would wave our white flag and not just be focused on doing good things. Well, Lord, that we would be focused on the heart of God, the heart that breaks for people who need you. In Jesus' name.